love that bumper intro. Everyone makes a comment about like wanting to dance to it. And I asked Jordan, like, hey, can we just play that track the entire time I teach? He's like, no. No. All right. So that's totally fine. As Austin said, my name is Dave McGovern. I'm one of the pastors here. I spend most of my time hanging out with kids, students, volunteers, parents, and I absolutely love what God is up to uh, just in that area of seeing uh, young kids and, and our students fall in love with Jesus. It's it's so awesome uh, and so compelling. Um, and I, I get to continue our series today. Uh, very glad that uh, I get to step into this because it's been uh, such a, man, if you've been with us this summer, uh, this pattern series has been um, Feels like every week God is revealing something significant, uh, at least to me. Um, and along those lines, how many people were here last week? Just by a show of hands. Four of you? All right, cool. A lot more in that section. It's cool. Welcome back. Glad you're here. So, um, man, coolest story from what T- Torn shared last week. Uh, there's a, a very tall gentleman that goes here. His name's Eric Joldersma. And he played professional basketball in France. And he has the dopest nickname from those days. The va- I didn't even have to say it. Front row, right here. The Vanilla Gorilla. And if you've seen him, whoo, it's like, yeah, that, that's about a vanilla gorilla. Now, as you can tell by looking at me, um, I did not play professional basketball. Wasn't in the cards. But... Back in the day in 2007, I, uh, I happened to be on a championship intramural basketball team at Cornerstone University. Go Eagles, that's right, someone here. Um, and it was the strangest thing. I just had this moment of like, ah, oh, me too, Eric. I wish he was here. Because I had a nickname on that team that was also French. It was, it was Vani Chanchilla, the Vanilla Chinchilla. I had a silky J, played really, really tenacity defense. It was, it was cool. So I wanted Eric to be here, so I don't know. I could challenge him to one-on-one, but that's not in the cards. And to be completely candid, that's not a true story and has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today. But we have been in a just fantastic series. Um, and before we dive into that, uh, we're going to be in, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Philippians 3 starting in verses 12, going, to th- going through 16. Um, but what I want to do to start things off is uh, I cannot out-preach, out-teach the Word of God, what is right here, and I can't out-teach the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is I want to invite my friend Colin up. Give it up for Colin. So Colin uh, is in student ministries, and uh, he's a boss, and agreed to uh, read Scripture over you. He's going to read these verses over you, and um, I would just, I would invite you to just enter into a posture to receive these words from God. Receive what God might have for you today through this passage. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who have mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, the two God will make clear to you. Only let us live up for what we have attained. Thank you, Todd. Thanks, Colin. Yeah, you can give it up for him. I 
ad lib. It's word ad-libbing. from Philippians 3, verse 12. Okay, 15. this is a good ad lib. Well, thank you. It's like, man, take it away, brother. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. Hey, last week, uh, Torn had such a compelling message. Uh, this idea, this idea that Christ should be more important than anything. That in light of the gospel, everything else should be garbage. And Torin is an incredible teacher, right? I mean, aside from his style and amazing beard, like he can just teach. It's, it's real, it's authentic, and it's full of wisdom. And I often, after hearing him preach on a Sunday, like I get that like little feeling, and I'm like, let's go. I'm in. Absolutely. Jesus is everything. Let's bring it. And then Monday hits. And then Tuesday. And then Wednesday. And all of a sudden, I've been inspired to say, yeah, I want to fall in love with Jesus. I want to give him everything. And then I fall into a pattern of my normal cycle of living for this world and for myself. And last week, Torn made some pretty profound invitations and statements, and I was like, yes, I'm in. That's true. I want that. And I feel like this is part B of what Torn talked about, because Paul goes into sort of laying out a pattern of how do we take something that we long for and know is true, and then actually start living into it day by day? How do we take something where like, I know this is true and have it transform Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. And this dilemma, uh, yeah, Wait, what's going on? All right. He's the best. I know. All right, we'll try that, and he'll be back probably in five minutes. So thank you, Austin. Continuing on. So there's a book called Recapturing the Wonder. Cannot recommend it enough. Put it on your Amazon list. Uh, it's by Mike Cosper, and he says this, sort of trying to encompass his journey um, with Jesus. He says, I couldn't help but feel the gap between knowing and knowing how. Between what I knew I could say about my faith and what I could do with it. At times, my faith felt like a boxed-in corner of my life, separate and distinct from the rest of it. Have you ever found yourself at a point where you love the idea of Jesus way more than you actually love him? You gotten to a point where Nothing about your faith necessarily has changed, but it's sort of just this box that you carry with you. And then sometimes even shelf, depending on where you're at, who you're with, and what's going on. I have been there. I'm working through that even today. But I believe this text, I believe what Paul is encouraging himself, the Church of Philippi, and us today is that he believes there's a way that we can step into a pattern so that what we know to be true not only transforms us but launches us 
into each and every day. And so we're going to dive right in. We've heard it read over us, but I'm starting in verse 12. Paul says this, not that I have already obtained all of this, speaking of last week, verses 9-11, where he wants to know Jesus, he wants to suffer with him, he wants to participate in the resurrection. He says, now hold it, not that I've already obtained this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So before Paul jumps into the pattern of saying, here, here try this on for size, he says, hey, I haven't arrived. And in the midst of that, I cling to Jesus. I take hold of him. Why? Because Jesus took hold of him first. We've heard that. If you've been around in the church, you love Jesus because he first loved. Maybe you haven't heard it, so there's a really cool part. Jesus loved us first. And so we respond in love. Jesus lavished grace on us, so we respond to that grace. It's not something we obtain. It's something that's freely given by him, which is beautiful. And so Paul says, cling to that. Hold on to it because Jesus is already holding on to you. Now we get to the pattern. What does this look like? How do we step into taking what we know and actually living it out day by day? Verse 13, brothers and sisters, pause right there, brothers and sisters showing up in the middle of this paragraph, it's normally at the beginning of a thought for Paul, and it would, it would be to cue the audience, if he was sitting there, it would be like he was doing this to Tim, Tim, listen, listen, okay, buddy, are you, are you ready? Okay, it's, it's, it's jarring, it's grabbing their attention and saying, listen up, okay, it's time. I'm gonna drop some knowledge. So, let's see what he drops on them. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, essentially saying that I, I haven't arrived, but here's the one thing I'm certain of. Here's the one thing we do, people. Are you listening? He's saying to the church of Philippi. The first step in Paul's pattern for living into what we know. Forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. Our first movement today is to forget what is behind. Paul's essentially saying, in order to press forward, in order to go to the direction towards Jesus, we can't move forward while we're constantly looking behind. And so Paul says, hey, leave the past in the past. We all have different stories in here. We all have different things that we've been through. We all have different things that we've done. And, and often we have um, mistakes, at least I do. Like I've done some pretty stupid stuff on my journey with Jesus and in my life. And so often we can let those mistakes, we can let that shame and guilt of moments sort of start to define who we are. And, and mentally and even spiritually, the story you tell yourself every day is going to be the story that you live into. And, and Paul would know about carrying some baggage, right? 
He persecuted people who said, I love Jesus. He's like, "Mm mm-mm. He took part in some horrific things. And so I would imagine the Apostle Paul would have some things that he's carrying with him. And this is the piece where you got to move from what you know to embracing it. Because many of you maybe have heard, yeah, but Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. And then you attach a but to it. And so if you're journaling, maybe you could write down, leave your butt out of it or behind. Here's what that means. I hear this all the time with students and even in my own life. Uh, I know Jesus forgives me, but if you only knew what I did. Or I know, I know I'm a child of God and I have been made new, but you fill in the blank. I know that God is redeeming all things, and that includes me, but when we leave the past where it belongs in the past, you can take away the but and just add a period. I know that I am loved and forgiven, period. I know that I am a child of God. I know that I am beloved, period. Paul's inviting us to leave the past where it belongs, and sometimes Yes, we make mistakes, but sometimes we live in the past of good things, right? Paul did amazing things. At any point before he got put into prison, he could have been like, I've had a pretty good run. Read the book of Acts, right? Planting churches, chilling with Timothy. Like, he could have just been like, I'm not, I'm done. And he could have rested and lived into past accomplishments or past ideas, right? So instead of, I, I, I call this, leave your Uncle Rico behind. Y'all remember Napoleon Dynamite? Okay. Uncle Rico, the entire movie, always says, back in 82, I could throw a football over the mountains. Back in 82, back in 80s, back in it. His entire present day is filtered through Back in the 80s, I, I, if, I, they, if they would have started me out with one state. He's so consumed with past things, even if they're not negative, that it's defining his reality today. Um, I don't know if you were here for the lift night, the night of worship. And I left that saying, oh, that was amazing. I can't wait for the next one. When are we going to do that again, Jordan? Yeah, remember that night? Remember back then? And it was great, and we boast in God. But all the while, like, I'm thinking about how awesome that was. God is saying, hey, if you turn forward, I'm right here, and you can worship, you can worship me today. So we leave the past behind, right where it belongs, because Jesus has made it new. Next movement. Paul says, forgetting what is behind, and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. A better translation might be upward in Christ Jesus. So I have left, I've left my past behind. I'm moving forward, and I'm not constantly just looking back. Can't see where I'm going. Paul says, then I strain and I look up and forward 
towards the goal, which is Jesus, which is union with Christ, which is participating in the kingdom now, participating in resurrection, you turn, and that is your prize, forward and upward, moving towards the goal of resurrection. It's one thing to turn from our past. It's, the, it's another thing to, once, we, once we're pointed forward, to be real with ourselves of what our prize is, what our goal is. And I had to, I had to really, man, when I was studying this, I had to really like think and dig of like, what's your prize? Because Paul says he strains, he strains forward. In this context, a couple commentators said it's, what he's getting at is complete exertion towards a cause to the point of even collapsing. He gives everything. And so I started to think about, okay, where do I spend my time, my energy? What am I facing towards that it takes all of my energy almost to where I collapse? What are those things in my life? One of them is financial security. I work really hard and stress about making sure that myself and my family, like, that we stick to a budget. My wife is here. She would say, he doesn't stick to a budget. But, like, it's, we stress about it. We put energy towards it. It consumes my thoughts. I worry about it. It's one of my prizes. It's a goal that I'm, I'm shooting towards. My time, like Dave time, I will move mountains to have some just me time. Last week, I finished up finals week, had so many papers to write. Oh, writing a lot of papers when you're 34 is exactly what it sounds like. Anyway, I am exerting all of this energy to get done. Why? So I can have my time and I can watch Stranger Things season three. I'm not like, oh, I need to get all these papers done because I want to just spend some time with Jesus. No, I'm like, I got to get this done. I got to get the kids down and I'm going to watch this. By the way, the last episode, I could not believe when, I just joking, I just joking. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> but my time, I'm going to lose some of you when I say this. In the fall, Michigan football's appointment TV for me. I will move other things around in my schedule so that I can watch a football game. It's not bad. It's not evil. None of that stuff is wrong or sinful. It's just what are you pointed towards? What consumes your thoughts? Paul's saying we should strain and give everything. And day by day, our habits form us way more than we form them. Day by day, our habits form us way more than we form them. And so maybe this week, sit down and look at what takes your energy. What do you give everything towards? And that's probably where you're going to find your prize. And Paul's saying that's got to be Jesus. So we turn from our past. We, we start going forward. We put aside distractions, and we focus upward on Jesus. This word strain or till you collapse, it's kind of weird, like, hey, all right, everybody, let's strain for Jesus. And you're like, yeah. Well, what's that look like tomorrow? 
to give everything for Jesus, I am, what I'm not saying is, let's walk out these doors, let's all quit our jobs and become monks and monksess, or whatever the, the, the nouns, yes, nuns, whatever. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that's not helpful. What I'm saying is don't quit your job, go into a closet and just read your Bible every day and, and have the outside world never engage it. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that once we focus on the prize, it's a daily commitment to turning from our past and keeping our eyes forward on Jesus. Something that I love. I love the idea of running. Adore it. I love other people who run. I can cheer someone on at a marathon better than anyone, but I hate actually running. Preach. I would much rather sit down with you and, and talk about the new colorways of the Nike Flyknit React 2. Like, have you seen them? They're pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm going to get them. I'm not going to use them. But I'll buy them. And if you're out there, and you run, and, and I know Mark Muha, back row, just completed a marathon. Bless your heart, buddy. It's awesome. I will cheer you on in your next one. Don't ask me to uh, run with you because it's not my game, but I think um, endurance athletes paint a picture of what it might look like for us to strain for Jesus every day. Endurance athletes are crazy. Um, but they give everything. They exert all that they have to accomplish this goal and to finish, finish the race and cross the line. I, I think I have a picture of a runner. There he is. Um, Google image of someone struggling in a marathon, also known as Dave. That's why I don't run. Hey, do you want to spend your Saturdays feeling like that? Nope, hard pass. I'm good, but have you seen the new Nike Flyknits? No. That is one reason why I don't like running. That's actually what I look like after a 2K. But they exert everything. Look at him. It's whew, pushing, exerting till almost collapsing. What we don't see in that picture, what you don't see on, on the finish line of people like, ah, what you don't see is the months and months of devotion towards that race. You don't see the daily, weekly, monthly routines that a person goes through to be able to do something amazing like that. I love the idea of running, but I also know people who actually run. And they track their sleep. They track their running how far they're going to go and what day they're going to do it. They track when they need to rest. They track what they eat. I'm already exhausted. But there's this daily devotion of pointing towards a goal that they have in mind. And they take that end, that finish line, and it actually impacts their daily lives, their future participation in a race, in a marathon, of crossing that line impacts their current reality today. And I think that paints a picture for what it could look like to strain 
for Jesus. When we focus on our King, when we dream about and live into our future resurrected world, we can bring that and have it affect our present reality each and every day. It's not a one-time transaction. It's a slow obedience towards meeting with our king and shaping our lives around him, not other things. And when we do that, like a runner who's like, hey, if I eat McDonald's every day, Will that help me accomplish my goal of this race? Probably not. We start to ask similar questions of, hey, when I participate in this, is it helping me fall more in love with Jesus? When I participate in this, do people get a glimpse of the kingdom? When I watch this, is it shaping me into who God has called me to be? You fill in the blank. We start to, we're able to ask ourselves questions like that when we order our days around spending time with Jesus. One more example of why I don't run. I have a quick video. That dude gave everything he had, collapsed, hit the cement like a pancake, just I have never worked so hard for something where like you just, yep, body's done. (laughs) And then the poor guy in front of him, that was actually Mark Muha, just carrying children past the finish line. "Mm -hmm. See you guys next week. What a picture, though, for what it might mean for us to focus our eyes on our king and our spiritual lives and say, I I give everything. In fact, I hope that that's an image of my spiritual journey. When my days are done, when I die, that people would look back and be like, man, that's kind of like Dave gave everything for the sake of the gospel. The way that he was a husband, the way that he was a dad, the way that he interacted with people, the way that he revealed the kingdom to the cities that he lived in, like, and he made mistakes and he stumbled across, but like, what would it look like to just give everything, exerting all of ourselves towards Jesus and his new reality in our kingdom? 
I want to be known of someone who lives like that for Christ. But like Paul, I haven't obtained that. I haven't arrived. Not perfect. Far, from, Very, very far from it. But this is the pattern Paul encourages us, encourages us to live into. He says in verse 15, continuing on, All of us then who are mature should take such a view of these things. Saying, look, if you're, if you're headed towards maturity, if you want to know Jesus and the kingdom, then take this view. Cling to Jesus. Leave your past behind. Focus on Jesus and give him everything. And then he says, and if, it, if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I like that. He's like, you think you've arrived? You think you're mature? Just hold on. God will make it clear to you that maybe you're not. And then lastly, what I want to conclude with, verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. See, we, we cling to Jesus and we have the power to do some of these things because we have already attained them. If you're a follower of Jesus, the resurrection is waiting, but it's also taking place right now. We sang today, there is thin space. So when we live into who God calls us to be, we create that thin space between heaven and earth. We live into the kingdom now. And when you hear a talk like this, and even when I was doing this, you're like, man, it sounds like, Sounds really hard. Sounds like you want me to do a lot. Before we do, God will love us more. Even if we know that that's not true. I know that's not, but there's deep parts in our heart where on some level we think we need to obtain God's love, grace, and mercy. And Paul's saying, he has given it to you. Through his life, death, and resurrection, because he pursued you first, you have it. And when we live up to and live into what we have obtained, it changes everything. When we live into the fact that we've obtained forgiveness, it completely transforms the way we view others when they wrong us. Changes the way we respond to the teenager who makes a pretty dumb mistake. It changes how we, how we view the forgotten and disregarded people in our city. When we chase after the king, we chase after what he longs for and loves, and it changes our whole lives around us. How we live today should truly, truly reflect our future self and our resurrected goal and transform our current reality because God is already up to that in your life if you follow him. I want to close with a story and a quote. Quote is from Dallas Willard. He's pretty smart. And I love what he says about what it means to live into our future reality today. What it means to just strive for Jesus, strain. It says this, what do followers of Christ do? They bring the life of the kingdom to other people. They bring that life and themselves 
That's what Jesus himself said. And that's what he did. When he came, he said, repent for the kingdom of heavens of the heavens is at hand. What was at hand? The kingdom that was in him. As people looked at him and listened to him, they realized that the kingdom of God was there and that it was available to them. And they became disciples of Jesus because of that. Followers of Jesus exemplify eternal living and bring it to bear on everything around them. Eternal life is the life we have now because our life is caught up in God's life. I love the idea of being so caught up in union with Christ that like what Torrin says, it just you just spill Jesus on people. That you're so caught up with your future destination that you actually bring it and create thin space today and you reveal the life of the kingdom to yourself and to everyone around you. I got to see that face-to-face this year. So we started off, and um, Colin read a text, and this year Jesus, um, Jesus wrecked Colin in such a beautiful way. Jesus became real to him, and it was so incredible to see him step and live into that. And his energy was contagious. And I was like, dude, you got to like, do you mind sharing this with the rest of the students here at local church? And he's like, yeah. And so he spent time writing his story, what God had done, how, how Jesus became real. And if, if you remember what it's like to be a middle schooler, like being vulnerable and sharing your story to high schoolers because they were present, that's not like something like, ooh, ooh me, yeah, can I do that? <laughs> Every day? Yeah, that'd be awesome. No, you're like, but he did it. He's like, yeah, I'll step into that. And he shared his story with middle school and high school students, and it was so real. It was so authentic, and it was so compelling that he just, he started to have tears in his eyes. And it wasn't like, oh, dude's crying. It was like, oh, my goodness, Jesus is real to him. And I sat there. As a 34-year-old pastor of student ministry saying, I want that. I don't, I want to chase after that. Like, Jesus is so real, so profound to this seventh grader. I want to chase after that. And he was like, I want to share that. My favorite part about that story, it, it, it happened to work out where Colin brought one of his friends who doesn't believe in God. And he doesn't follow Jesus. And he's sitting next to his friend as he's pouring his heart out and, and just revealing how God has transformed his thoughts and his emotions and everything. And he's so caught up. And when he starts crying, his friend who doesn't follow Jesus is like, oh. And he puts his hand on his back. And he shares that space with him. And I'm like, oh, that's a picture of what I want to chase after. That's a picture of what I want to step into. I want to have that vulnerability with my neighbors, with my peers. And this 13-year-old did it. And so TLC, uh, imagine. 
Imagine what it would look like for us collectively to step into this. What a place this would be. And after this week and last week, you may be thinking like, man, is this worth it? This is a lot. And the better question, much like the song we sang today, the better question to ask every day, is Jesus worthy? And the answer is yes. So let's do this together. Let's be a people. Let's be a people that embraces our future reality and chases after Jesus with everything. Straining and giving our lives to something different and better. And let's tap into what we've already obtained through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen.